This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal-setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your seat today at bestyearever.me. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're going to be talking about action steps for a more purposeful life. Megan, welcome, and tell us why purpose is important. Hey, Dad. I'm so happy to be here, and I love talking about this topic. You know, so often people think that purpose is something that just happens to you, like it's kind of magic, or you just discover it. I feel like that's what we tell our kids. You know, I have kids going into adulthood right now, and I feel like if it's if I'm not careful, that's what I tell them. But it's actually something that you can choose to recognize and create and move toward And be intentional about, you know, we talk a lot about being intentional on lead to win. And I think purpose is no different. And so in this episode, we're going to be talking about how listeners can identify concrete actions that they can take to increase their sense of purpose. And the reason that's important, by the way, is that a sense of purpose and a sense of incremental progress toward your purpose is really what makes people happy, you know? Definitely. Well, I think most of us think it's this kind of mystical thing. Yeah. So, you know, this was uh, famously enshrined in the movie City Slickers, where there's this conversation between Curly, this crusty old cowboy, and Mitch, who's played by Billy Crystal. And so Billy Crystal is this executive who's gone to this dude ranch, and he's just kind of lost. And so he's having this conversation with this old sage cowboy, and the cowboy says to him, his name's Curly, he says, do you know what the secret of life is? And, you know, he holds up his finger when he says it, says it, and Mitch says, Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean s***. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. And I think that's how most people approach purpose. It's like this right. mystical thing that you have to divine for yourself. Maybe it's going to drop out of heaven Maybe if you pray about it enough, you'll get a sense of purpose. But a lot of people are kind of stuck waiting to find their purpose. And I don't think that's how you discover purpose. I don't think so either. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Hey, before we get started, we wanted to share a resource with you guys that I think is going to be really helpful as you're thinking about how to reconnect with your purpose, how to have more meaning in your life. Um, And that is our goal setting course called Your Best Year Ever. And this is all about learning how to do hard things and making progress toward big accomplishments um, as being one of the most powerful means of achieving a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. So we want to show you exactly how to do that. Honestly, we have honed this process. We've made it fun. uh, We've made it easy. And Dad, you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, this is a five session course that basically gets into everything regarding not just goal setting, but goal achievement. Mm -hmm. So it's basically our proprietary way that you design the future and create a future for yourself, for your business that you'll absolutely love. And so again, it consists of five sessions. We talk about, first of all, the power of belief and possibility and particularly limiting beliefs. We talk about how to take care of the past so that you don't drag the worst of the past into your future, but you've got to deal with the past in a very specific way that we go through in the course. Then we talk about uh, our specific formula, the Smarter Goals Framework, 
which is unique to us. We've borrowed certainly from the SMART framework, but we've expanded upon that. And in fact, one of the elements of the traditional SMART framework is just flat out wrong. And in fact, if you, if you practice that one thing, you'll get stuck. You will not achieve goals that matter to you. And then number four, we talk about motivation. You know, how do you gin up enough motivation and why so that when you encounter obstacles and challenges, you're able to persevere and punch through those obstacles to get to the other side? And then finally, we talk about how can you take concrete actions and make the achievement of those goals actually easy? Well, and the reason we're so pumped about your best year ever as we look ahead to 2021 is because 2020 was a really hard year. It's probably a year if you're like most of the people that we talk to, um, where you kind of got disconnected from the possibility of the future, from your own agency, from a sense of control. You know, you probably felt kind of um, whipped about by circumstances and all kinds of things um, that cause you to be more in a survival place and stuck in the present than thinking about the future, being excited and looking forward to the future. We think that uh, that should change for 2021. It doesn't have to continue to be like it was in 2020, that we can take back the future, in fact, and that the things that we're going to teach you in your best year ever are exactly the way to do that. One of the things to say for those of you who have been through your best year ever, and we've had about 50,000 students go through the course now, is that we completely reshot it this year. It's brand new. We do reference COVID, the challenges of this year. We help you process that, help you think differently about the year that's to come, whether we have continuing you know, effects of the pandemic or not. Talk about that. There's a brand new workbook but it's all new. This is the best version that we've ever created. And this is like version number six. If you'd like more information on that, just go to yourbestyearever.com and you can find out all about it. Okay. So if purpose is not some kind of magical discovery process, that's always elusive and it's kind of out there. We don't really know how to get there. Then what is it? And how do we have more of it in our life? Um, I think one of the best places to go on this topic is Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, his famous book. Um, he book. He was, a, of course, a concentration camp survivor, and his experience shaped much of his thought in writing. And he argued that man's deepest desire was to find meaning in life and that if he could find that meaning, then he could survive anything. That's powerful coming from someone who endured an incredible amount of torture and suffering and hardship. But here's what he says about the way that you find meaning. He says there are actually three ways that you find meaning. Number one, you find meaning in purposeful work. Number two, you find meaning in love. And number three, and this is the most counterintuitive one, you find meaning in suffering. So number one- I don't one, like that one. I don't like that one either. I, I'd like to, <laughs> can, we, can we get some additional research on that? Can I, I get the non-suffering version? Right. Unfortunately, the research would confirm exactly what he says. But again, number one, we have meaning in purposeful work, in love, and in suffering. So that's that's what meaning is. That's where we get it. It's not like out there. It's in our real day-to-day life. And we can be intentional about cultivating meaning and purpose in these three areas by knowing what to look for. You know, we've said this so many times, but this is really true here. This kind of is a mindset issue. Yeah. You know, you have to decide first and foremost that you're going to experience meaning at work regardless of what the work is. So, you know, I've had jobs where I wasn't always working in my desire zone, where I was oh, do- yeah. doing something that I felt like was menial, 
something that wasn't very rewarding, something that was repetitive. And even in those situations, I think we can find meaning if we're intentional, right? Maybe at the, at the very least there's character development, you know, learning to do hard things is very rewarding. Yeah. There's a very, very famous quote from Dean Carnassus. He's an ultra marathoner. His book on that topic is fantastic. I read it a couple of times, but he says this quote, we equate comfort with happiness and now we're so comfortable. We're miserable. There's no struggle in our lives, no sense of adventure. And so before you dismiss your current work as something that leaves you flat and uninspired, maybe the work needs to happen on your part Mm -hmm. to make that work more meaningful. Maybe you have to to take the initiative and consciously articulate to yourself, what's the value of that hard job that you don't like? What are you gaining? What is it making possible for your future by learning to endure even that hard job? Yeah, well, you know, when we were talking about these three ways of finding meaning, the purposeful work, love, and suffering, um, and we were, to, we were joking about how much we don't like the suffering way of finding meaning. The truth is, if I think about my own life, that's been one of the most significant ways that I have found meaning in my adult life. And really, that comes through um, parenting kids with special needs, you know, that there has been significant suffering as a part of that. If you have children with special needs or know someone who does, you know that that's true. And everybody has their own version of that. I mean, the you know, it's not unique to me to have suffering in my life. Every one of us has had some part of our story where there's significant suffering. And I think the um, the redemptive possibility of that is where so much purpose and meaning comes from. And I think about what I have gotten out of learning how to love uh, kids with special needs and from hard places, you know, with histories of trauma, for example. Um, That's been incredibly meaningful to me. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also been the best thing that I've ever done. It's changed me more than anything. I can see my progress. I can see how I've grown. Um, you can probably hear one of my children crying in the background <laughs> right now. And, you know, that's that's just something that when we understand suffering through the lens of purpose and meaning, um, it transforms it for us. It does. And I've experienced a little bit of that this year myself because I've been struggling with chronic neck pain for almost the last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad, who's 87, almost 87 years old, has lived with chronic pain since he was 18 years old and really severely injured in the Korean War. And he's had chronic pain ever since then. And there was a time, and I'm not proud to admit this, but there was a time when I thought, gosh, can't you just buck up and, you know, endure the pain? And then all of a sudden I'm dealing with chronic pain and there's there's days that it's, you know, it's debilitating. And by the way, before those of you who think, you know, you want to send me an email, and I, I appreciate the sentiment, but maybe that I need to try acupuncture or chiropractic. Look, I've tried everything out there. To, to deal with it. And one of the things that I've resolved myself to is there's, there is value in experiencing pain. I, I really think it's made me more empathetic, not just to my dad, but to other people who have to live with chronic pain. So, you know, I, it's, it sounds trite, but there's, there's a silver lining. There's purpose if we choose to see it. That reminds me of one of my favorite movies is Finding Nemo. We've all seen that movie. Uh, and you know, the whole premise is that this fish, the Nemo gets lost in the ocean and, and, you know, his dad is all concerned about him because he's been protecting him his whole life. And he says, um, he's telling, talking to Dory and he's all upset about it. And he says, I promised him I'd never let anything happen to him. Hmm. 
That's a funny thing to promise. What? Well, you can't never let anything happen to him. Then nothing would ever happen to him. Not much fun for little Harpo. And you, and you really oh. like, I think oh. about that. That's so good. All, I think about that all the time when I was a teacher and as a parent now, you sit there and you go like, well, yeah, what a goal, what kind of goal is that for, for anybody to go, yeah. well, what is that? Anyway. Nick, uh, I had forgotten that part of that movie. I've seen it so many times, but I'd forgotten that. And gosh, it's so true. I actually kind of wonder if God feels like that about us sometimes. Like, that's not the point of this show, but, <laughs> but I'm just like at a, you know, existential level. Like, I just wonder if sometimes that's part of why God allows hard things to happen because it opens the door ultimately to more life, more purpose, more meaning, you know, not that I don't, anyway, we go way down that rabbit hole and I don't think God causes bad things, but, but I just, I, I think that that is an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. And there's, there's just huge value in adversity. And I think finding meaning in our relationships is the same thing. You know, people are looking for that one love, that romantic thing. Or as somebody once said, you know, they think that love is a feeling you feel that when you feel like you're going to get a feeling you never felt before. And (laughs) uh, love is not really a feeling. We choose to inject meaning in that. And even in the hard things, you know, I just, I think so much of what happens to us in life, the ultimate purpose is that our our character would be developed, that our potential mm-hmm. would be realized. And and that only happens when we encounter difficult things, right? Yeah. So it's it's not the easy things that make us stronger, it's the hard things that make us stronger. So how do you think that our lives change when we experience purpose, Dad? Well, I think we have a subjective sense that our lives are being directed. You know, that we're not just aimlessly drifting on on the sea with nowhere to go and just kind of waiting for the next thing that comes up and then we react to it. But it makes us more intentional and and having that sense of direction that we're actually going someplace, that there's a destination to it all. And I think that that affects everything. It affects the way you get out of bed in the morning or if you do get out of bed in the morning, it affects the way you show up for work or for the people that you love. If you've got a sense of purpose that you're essential that uh, that you can make a difference, that that has an impact on the way that you show up for other people. Yeah, I also think that it makes the day to day mundane activities, you know, whether it's cleaning the kitchen or feeding your kids dinner or going to care for an elderly parent or grandparent or walking the dog or whatever, all of a sudden these daily activities have meaning because somehow they fit into a bigger story. They're, they're puzzle pieces in a bigger story. They're not just random. They're not meaningless. They have some inherent value to them. And I think that changes how we experience our life. You know, what's really subtle about what you said is I don't think we wait for purpose to find us. We create the purpose and two people could be experiencing the exact same thing and find different purpose in it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I mean, purpose is something we create. It's, it's a lot about the story we're telling ourselves about why this matters. Yeah. Whether it's staying in a difficult relationship or enduring some physical suffering or working in a job that's less than optimal. You know, the story that we're telling ourselves about ourselves and about the situation and what we mean to it is something that I think that we have the privilege of of creating. Yep. Not just finding our purpose, 
but creating our purpose. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that's no, too existential? I do agree with existential? that. I don't necessarily like it, but I agree with it. Um, <laughs> I, in fact, you know, yesterday we were talking about, when I, we always have lunch together on Monday. So we, at the time we're recording this, it's Tuesday. And yesterday you and I were having lunch and we were talking about um, some challenges that we're having with one of our kids. And, you know, as we were talking about that, my first thought was like, gosh, like, I must just not be a good parent, you know, like how, how is it that my kids have all these challenges? You know, what is it about me that's causing my kids to have all these challenges? And Joel and I were talking about it in the evening. And what, what are the things I realized that is an interpretation? It's, it's not, you know, factually based. It's just like, that's a, that's a Mm -hmm. possible way of making meaning in a negative way about the situation. It's also possible that there's something about me or God's doing something in me that these children are a gift to me that they that they need something from me that only I can provide as their mom, you know, and Joel is their dad, that there's so much purpose in loving them and helping them navigate life that um is a really special calling. Like how cool is it that God has given us the opportunity to invest in kids that really need us where we can really make a difference. Now, it's really hard you know, there's, it's not to minimize how hard it is. Um, but, but what a cool purpose to have, you know? So I think those are, that's, that is an example of what you said, you know, creating purpose or meaning, like what's our interpretation of our life? That's right. And you can, you can make that be empowering, right? Like it was in your example, right? Or disempowering where you just want to give up and, and stop trying. Right. right? Exactly. Well, from my perspective, what you and Joel have done, you know, with, with your kids, especially the ones that, um, that you've adopted is heroic. You know, I think it, it really has given those kids an amazing chance and I love seeing what's happening to them. And so even though I think from your perspective, sometimes you see the places where there's a gap, you know, where they've still got so far to go. The question I have is, you know, or the, the observation I make is how far they've come Totally. and where would they be without you? Well, what's amazing is, and I think maybe is even truer, is where would we be without them? You know, the kind of growth that we've had because of the opportunity to love them. I mean, we've we've been the big winners, you know, like it's while it's been very difficult, the the difficulty of it has been a gift and it has changed us for the better. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's It's truly a privilege. So when we're thinking about purpose... What is the relationship between, you know, ultimately getting to a destination that we want to or accomplishing something? Because certainly that feels good, but also like the journey on the way, you know, you hear people say like, it's not the destination, it's the journey, you know, like, how do we think about that? Because a lot of life is the journey and not the destination. Well, and I kind of see that as the difference between purpose and goal setting. Okay. You know, purpose is something that's usually not measurable that something you'll never ultimately achieve, it's something you move toward. Right. And so, for example, you know, our company mission very much grows out of my personal sense of mission, which is, you know, to help leaders find the focus they need to win at work and succeed at life. When will I achieve that? Uh, never, because right. <laughs> there will always be people that are, are still struggling with winning at work and succeeding at life. They're mm-hmm. trying to find focus. But the goals that I set... Every year, move me toward that. Yeah. So it, it provides sort of the true north that gives me a sense of 
where I am in relationship to that, that ultimate purpose that I want to fulfill. Okay. Since you brought up goal setting, how does goal setting and achievement increase our sense of purpose? Because kind of now we're shifting a little bit into what you can actually do to increase your sense of purpose in your life. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, we have to get clear on what's important to us. So there's always a prioritization process that takes takes place in goal setting. Because you look at all the things in your life that that deserve your attention. You know, maybe I need better friendships, or I need to improve my marriage if I'm married, or I need to improve my relationship with the kids, or I want to get a promotion, or I want to start a business, all these different things. But we have to prioritize those because we can't do everything, Right. So we have to pick the few things that we that we want to pursue. And in that process, we begin to narrow our focus and again, move ourselves toward that purpose. And I think we always have to ask the question about purpose as we're doing goal setting. Why do I exist? Another word that I use when I'm thinking about my purpose is that I'm a steward. You know, and I want to be a good steward of what I've been given. How can I be a better steward this year? How can I set goals that make me a better steward of what God's given me you know, in my life. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think the other thing is that making incremental progress is what gives us a sense of purpose or happiness. You know, so when we're talking about those areas that Viktor Frankl talked about, meaningful work, um, love and suffering, if we're making some kind of meaningful progress there, if we're moving from one point to another, it's not necessarily that we have achieved the ultimate you know, that we've accomplished, like you said, our purpose, so to speak. But if we're making progress, that is part of what helps us to be happy, to have a sense of meaning in our day-to-day lives. And I think the the reason goal setting can be a practical way to apply that is because, you know, if you, if you set a goal that's going to be accomplished within a year, for example, and you're making steady progress toward that throughout the year, every time you make steady progress, that's an opportunity to have meaning and purpose, to feel like you're moving forward in your life. You're not stuck, you know? And I think that's a big part of this conversation is not feeling stuck. I think a lot of what people have experienced in 2020 is feeling stuck, you know, that they were in this sort of like suspended animation, like just waiting for the world to get, you know, moving again and get back to normal. And I think what we all need to experience is progress again. If you hear that in the background, that would be my 18-month-old. Apparently, she does not like what she's having for lunch. <laughs> Hashtag 2020, all the kids are home. So anyway. Okay, so one of the questions I have, Meg, is what have been especially significant sources of purpose in your life personally? Is there something external to you that helps you with a sense of purpose? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is my kids. You know, um, in fact, I would say my kids are my number one why. And I've probably told this story now numerous times on the podcast. Um, but a couple of years after we had adopted our middle boys from Uganda, and uh, I was working in the business, I, I don't remember exactly what I was responsible for at that point. But you know, my my responsibilities were steadily increasing. You came to me and you said, "Okay, I'm ready for you to run the company. I want you to become the COO." And I said, Ooh, okay, I really want to do this. I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I can make a significant contribution." But 
The only way I can do that is if I can be done at three o'clock every day because my kids have some significant needs. They've been through a lot. I need to be able to be present for them in order to feel good about what I'm doing outside of work. You know, if I feel like I'm going to really honor my uh, responsibilities outside of work and look back on my life without regret, I can't outsource that to someone. You know, they need me. And so if I'm going to do this job, I'm going to do it nine to three. And you were like, great. I don't care. You know, if you can make it work, make it work. And, uh, and and I really think that my personal boundaries, my margin in my life around work, the reason I care so much about having strict boundaries around that is because my family is so important to me. You know, I love these kids with all my heart and I am completely committed to their well-being, their healing process, you know, all the things that they need. And I have five kids now um, and all of them have different needs for me. And I'm certainly not a perfect parent. I'm not some kind of superhero, um, but I, I do think that I have prioritized my family outside of work. And that gives me a ton of meaning and purpose. That's good. Well, for me, I think it's been reading. Hmm. You know, it gives me a perspective that's that's outside of me and often outside of time, you know, or this time at least. So one of the things, as you know, as part of my daily ritual, I read the Bible every morning, read the Bible through every year, and I've done that for decades. And one of the things that I love about that as a person of faith is it it puts me into a larger context, you know, a bigger story of of what's happening. And it gives me a sense of meaning to to know my life is not just uh, directionless, that I've been here for a purpose, and that I'm not going to die before my purpose is fulfilled. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of that. But it's not just reading that. I also read, and I've been doing this uh, every day this year, I've been reading The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. That's amazing to read these ancient Greek and Roman philosophers and to realize that they had the same challenges, the same passions, the same kinds of problems, the same the same issues that they were facing in their day makes me feel like, and to avoid sort of the uh, the the hallucination that we live in this really unique time. It's not that unique. You know, Gail, my wife, your mom, has been reading David McCullough's book, John Adams, and she's now reading it through for the second time, which is amazing. At the time we're recording this, it's just after the election. Seems like there's a lot of political chaos out, out there. And she keeps reminding me because she's reading this you know, John Adams was the second president of the United States. And she just said, you know what? That chaos that you're experiencing right now was there at the beginning. And you go, oh, okay. And, you know, I've read enough of history, including a lot of Civil War history in and around the Civil War, to know that there's always been challenges. And that's, you know, uniquely uniquely comforting. And even in these situations, these chaotic times like COVID and all the rest that we've experienced this year, we can find purpose by creating purpose, by deciding why it's meaningful to us in the midst of this. Okay, so what do you think the role is of setting goals outside of your comfort zone, or in other words, doing hard things as opposed to meaningful but easier things um, is in this process of pursuing purpose? Well, I think that's usually where we find our purpose and where we find our meaning is outside of our comfort zone. You know, if we just do something that's, that's incremental, you know, like uh, Don Miller uses this example in A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, where he talks about editing your life and doing hard things. And I don't know if you remember it. He says, you know, if your goal is to buy a VW, you know, that's, that's not that inspiring, you know, or to acquire, you know, a house that's incrementally better than the one you have, not that inspiring. 
you know, or to get a job that's just a little bit better than the one you have so you can get a 5% or a 10% raise. Not that inspiring. No, you know, goals cause us to stretch and they cause us to stretch into the realm of meaning where that thing would really matter. If we really achieved that thing, it would mean something to us. So for example, when I first started doing goal setting, when I first started to get in, in shape, I decided I was going to run a half marathon, which looking back on it, doesn't look like that big a deal. And for those of you listening that are runners, you think, well, like, yeah, that's no big deal. Well, for me, it was a huge deal. I'd never run that far in my life. What that would mean for me is that I would have to be in the best shape of my life up until that point to be able to pull off that goal. So that was the meaning that I assigned to it. You know, or the first time I took a 30-day sabbatical, what did that mean to me? Well, that meant that I had, a, had achieved a certain level of success in my business where the business could run without me for 30 days. That was meaningful too. But the meaning came as a result of setting the goal in the discomfort zone. I totally agree with that, Dad. Um, I've not only seen that in my own life, I've seen that in the lives of our team members, in our company, and in the lives of our clients and customers. I mean, it's it's like a universal truth. And it's amazing, actually, once you start to do this in your life and you get some confidence with it, you start setting goals and achieving goals, and you can look back on things that at one time you thought were impossible that now you've accomplished it's an incredible source of purpose and meaning and pride also, you know, self-confidence. Um, so I think it's really worth it. All right. So we're about out of time here, but I just thought of one other question that I wanted to get your thoughts on, which is why do you think it's particularly important to pursue hard things kind of along the same lines here during an already hard season? Okay. So like the temptation right now is to say, you know, hello, have you looked at the list of things that have happened in 2020? <laughs> we don't need anything else hard, you know? And yet, like in our company, we took on a huge goal for 2020. And we're on track to to do something pretty amazing financially that we've never done before. And so like, what's the value of that? The goal isn't to, to accomplish something difficult. Okay. The goal is to achieve something meaningful. And it just so happens that those usually are difficult. It's the reverse, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you did So there. the difficulty is going to be because the goal is in a realm that it's going to take extraordinary effort, maybe breakthrough thinking, something that is not part of the status quo, not part of your current reality. And so by nature, that's, that's hard. For me, when I was doing that first half marathon, you know, running the half marathon, completing it, I mean, I envisioned running across the finish line and getting the little medal they give you and what that would mean and how proud I would be. But as it turns out, that was difficult. What that meant was getting up extra early to train. It meant running when I wasn't used to it, going through all the pain of muscles that had been stretched beyond their current capacity, you know, lung capacity that had to grow, you know, just, and, and, and the monotony of it, doing it day after day after day for a period of about 12 weeks leading up to that half marathon, maybe it was 16 weeks, I can't remember now. But, but that was the difficulty. It wasn't that I chose the difficulty. In fact, usually when you choose a goal that's in the discomfort zone, you're uh, you know, blissfully unaware of the difficulty that's, that's going to be involved. That's so true. You tell yourself such a great story about how like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But, but honestly, you wouldn't do anything worth doing if you truly counted the cost. Right. Would you? No, nothing. I, I can't think of one example. You wouldn't get married. Yeah, you'd be you too scared. Kids. You wouldn't start the business. You wouldn't take on that goal. You know, it looked easy on the front end, 
but it's usually not. Okay, so I kind of disagree with you a little bit, I have to say. I know you love a good fight, so here we go. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready, man. Okay. Get me excited now. Um, all right. So actually, I just think I would add, mainly add something to it, which is this. I think there is value of choosing to take on hard things in the midst of a hard season. And I think the reason for that is because it's like resilience training. So I have, for example, really kicked up my exercise routine in the midst of COVID. You know, I have taken it to another level. I know. And I heard someone say not that long ago, you know, I don't know why anyone would think about like focusing on their fitness during this time. Like we're all just trying to make it, you know. And I thought, yeah, kind of, except that what I get out of pursuing fitness right now is I feel strong mentally and physically, which prepares me for the strength that I need to show up in in the like real challenges of my life, the business challenges, the family challenges, whatever. So pursuing big goals that I know are going to be hard is great training for the ones that I don't choose. And I hope that I continue to become more and more resilient and stronger and more capable as time goes on. But I think it's like anything hard. You have to train for it. I mean, I think we're all going to come out of 2020, hopefully stronger than we went in because we've been tested. You know, we've been training kind of against our will in some cases, but we've yeah. been training. And so I, I think that's the value of pursuing something hard and why you would be crazy enough to take on something big and hard in the middle of an already hard season. That's really good. I remember talking to somebody back when I was doing those half marathons, somebody at the company that I was running who decided to run with us and get in shape, except that she was incredibly out of shape. And so she decided to train for it and everything within her said, I can't do this. I'm so out of shape, you know? And so she ended up not only running that half marathon, but she got in the best shape of her life. And so she started saying to herself, if I can do this, what else could I do? Exactly. And that's, I think, the benefit right there. Yeah. Because you're going to get in situations in real life, you know, that you can't control, that you didn't choose, that are going to require something incredible of you. And if you can look back and say, yeah, it's okay, though. I've trained for this. I know that I'm strong. I know what I'm capable of. And yeah, it's going to be hard. And I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get through it. But I'm, I'm not showing up, you know, without any preparation. I have prepared for this. I think that gives you a lot of confidence. Obviously, you have to be wise about what you take on in the midst of tough seasons. And it's not always the right decision to do that. But I, I just think there's a lot of value. One of the best gifts that you can give your children is for them to say, for their inner dialogue to be, I can do hard things. Man, totally. Because the world's wide open to them if they can say that. Right. Okay, we better wrap it up. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Megan, I've loved this conversation. Me too. I'm inspired. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us on the the journey. And until next time, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our goal-setting course, Your Best Year Ever. Discover how you can create a better 2021 no matter what. Claim your seat today at bestyearever.me.